Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, one of the great capital cities in the world. And standing alongside the democratic institutions that serve as the cornerstones of our republic are some of the grandest and most iconic national park sites in America. And here, as with our great country, everyone is welcome to experience these stories of exploration, of sacrifice, and of vision. All of it is still alive in stone and brick and mortar. These are the places we turn to to get us through. Three major attacks, finally crossing downstream, forcing the southerners out. This is where we can actually feel the past. For here are treasures, a quiet natural world, and history preserved. For the people. Washington, D.C. has one of the largest metropolitan areas in the nation. It's a place that's never far from a great deal of history and nature, with over 72 National Historic Sites and Parks. Here, people deepen their connection to Washington, D.C. and its history. Gail, a ranger with the National Park Service. Washington history begins here on the Potomac. For most of its length, the river looks placid, but here it's all power. A prime destination on the Potomac is just 14 miles upriver from Washington, D.C. Great Falls, accessible from both the Maryland and Virginia shores is a paradise where visitors engage in all sorts of recreation. George Washington chose the Potomac River as the site for our capital. He envisioned the city to be a transportation hub and saw the need for skirting canals at nearby Great Falls, where big ships can't get past. In 1828, the 184-mile Chesapeake and Ohio Canal was constructed. It runs alongside the Potomac and stretches between Cumberland, Maryland and historic Georgetown, where you can still see a working canal lock and travel in 18th century style. no mere historical wonder, something just for history buffs. Thousands still use the canal towpath for their daily exercise, side by side with a real part of our living past.
When city planner Pierre Lafont envisioned the layout of the capital city, he didn't think of defense as a priority. In 1861, on the brink of the Civil War, D.C. was only defended by the outmoded Fort Washington to the south. The city couldn't have been more vulnerable. By the end of the war, a system of earthen forts surrounded the nation's capital. These forts proved to be much needed because major battles took place quite close to the city. One is known as the battle that saved Washington, D.C. It delayed the Confederates on their way to the Capitol, allowing Union troops to assemble. The two armies met in the city within range of Fort Stevens, where Abraham Lincoln himself came out to see the fighting. It was the last time a sitting president would come under fire. Looking back today, you wonder what people had in mind when they decided to take such a fatal step as a civil war. Well, just northwest of Washington is a place that helps make those reasons clear. This is Harper's Ferry, West Virginia, at the confluence of the Potomac, the Shenandoah, and two great railroads. We're just 65 miles from the nation's capital. In a way, the Civil War can be said to have started here. Harper's Ferry National Historical Park preserves the old town as it was 150 years ago. This was once a bustling industrial town, a place where machinery clattered day and night to produce arms and armament. For this virtually undefended industrial town held the federal arsenal and an armory with some 100,000 guns a ripe target for the radical abolitionist John Brown. While other abolitionists were looking to bring about a peaceful end to slavery, he took the law into his own hands and lit a fire here that took years to extinguish. In 1859, Brown found out that the government was storing thousands of weapons here at Harper's Ferry. He organized a 21-man army to raid the arsenal. His goal, to arm an insurrection against slavery. This building is very significant. It is a symbol of the nation's struggle within itself. The fire engine house is still known as John Brown's Fort because he and his men were holed up in there for 36 hours fighting government troops. In the end, most of his men were killed or captured. Brown himself was brought to trial and executed. But his raid focused attention on slavery as the pivotal issue of the Civil War. Before he goes to the gallows, he'll pass a note to his jailer, John Apis. It reads, I, John Brown, am now quite certain that the crimes of this guilty land will never be purged away but with blood. 
After 1861, Harper's Ferry changed hands between the Confederacy and the Union eight times until it eventually fell to the Confederates. This gave them access to the north, to Sharpsburg, Maryland. What happened there at a creek called Antietam is so appalling that it remains the bloodiest day in our nation's history. Antietam National Battlefield. In one day, more Americans were killed or wounded here than in the Revolutionary War, War of 1812, the Mexican War, and the Spanish-American War combined. 23,000 victims. On this country lane, on the morning of September 17, 1862, fighting raged on for three brutal hours. Called Bloody Lane, this sunken path seemed to be a good place to ambush the enemy. But capturing this 800-yard stretch proved to be a disastrous undertaking. 5,600 men from both sides were consumed in this one action. The overall plan was to attack the Confederate Army on the two sides or two flanks. Burnside's Bridge is named for the Union general at Antietam. It took hours to capture it and get his troops across, even though they far outnumbered the Confederate soldiers here. Once the bridge is taken, they're going to have a big traffic jam here trying to get 8,000 men across. You can see it's only 12 foot wide. It's not a major structure. And once they get themselves across and get themselves reorganized, there's the final push to end this battle, driving toward Sharpsburg to the north-northwest. Soon after, President Lincoln visited this very spot, a fit place to think of some way to bring a swift end to this awful war. That idea was emancipation. Lincoln knew we were a nation united in our basic humanity. And a sense of humanity is what fueled the nation's abolitionist movement. And at its helm was orator and activist Frederick Douglass, who once said, a man's character always takes its hue from the form and color of the things about him. And this is where he lived. Maintained as a part of the national park system overlooking Washington, D.C. It's this sort of city steeped in freedom and possibility for all that he wanted around him. This is where the former slave who rose to become the ambassador to Haiti lived for the last 18 years of his life. From this hilltop, he could see a city springing up to take its place with all of the other powerful capitals of the world. A city of vistas and monuments, of leaf and limestone. Pierre L'Enfant was the first to envision a grassy area for recreation and relaxation between the capital and the Potomac River. Today, the National Mall, a two-mile stretch of national park land, is a gathering place for the country. The Lincoln Memorial is a case in point. In 1939, when world-renowned vocalist Marian Anderson was turned away from a singing engagement at Constitution Hall, because of her race, First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt arranged for her to perform on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. Modeled after the Greek Parthenon, 
It's meant to be a tribute in marble to the strength of a nation united, an ambition that defined Lincoln's whole public life. 50,000 people attended its dedication in 1922, and it continues to beckon to citizens to exercise their right to freedom of speech. In Lincoln's own words, government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. I have a dream. During the great civil rights march of 1963, Martin Luther King Jr. delivered his famous I have a dream speech here. It popularized a tradition of protest that hovers here around the idea of Lincoln and his notion of what it means to be a citizen. And these principles of freedom were articulated in the Declaration of Independence by our third president, Thomas Jefferson. Based on the design of yet another classical temple, the Jefferson Memorial was completed in 1943. Thomas Jefferson did it all, a scholar, philosopher, architect, writer, diplomat, inventor, and farmer. Jefferson's Virginia colleague, George Washington, has the most recognizable memorial in the nation's capital. The Washington Monument towers more than 550 feet above the city and is the largest freestanding masonry structure in the world. Like the country it presides over, it had growing pains that changed it forever. The original architects planned a decorative tower featuring an oval temple at the base. Construction began in 1848, but six years later, with only a third complete, construction was halted. Political quarrels, lack of funds, and the Civil War took their toll. It remained unfinished for 25 years until an alternate design was proposed in 1879 a simple, unadorned obelisk that represents Washington's simplicity and plain determination. Today, the monument is the crown jewel of a group of inspired and inspiring structures, all testaments to the vision of our past heroes. Even today, they still affect the way we see our history and our present. Each year, millions of people deepen their understanding of history at the Greater Washington, D.C. National Parks. They also seek out the green and quiet places for a change of pace or a brief consideration about what it means to be a part of all this history. Rock Creek Park is one of the oldest national parks in the country. Flowing right through the center of D.C., the creek and its tributaries are a part of over 2,000 acres of protected land, an example of conscientious urban planning. The park encompasses what is best about the D.C. area. It combines recreation, cultural heritage, and nature. Not only is it a place to hike, bike, ride, or watch nature up close, you can also see Shakespeare in the park at Rock Creek's Carter Barron Amphitheater. 
At Glen Echo, an early amusement park, children can ride on a restored 80-year-old carousel. At Prince William Forest Park in Virginia and Catoctin Mountain Park in Maryland, residents can take a much-needed weekend getaway. At Wolf Trap National Park for the Performing Arts, thousands enjoy concerts in a beautiful open-air pavilion. Every day, residents and tourists alike experience history at the greater Washington, D.C. National Parks. What history shows us is that we, too, can make a contribution. Someday, the future will be looking at these memorials as a testament to our nation's strength. In these national parks, we see that our lives extend well beyond ourselves. This is what the national parks are for, to preserve all of this for the people.